to FarringdonRadio.com. This is a new venture here in Farringdon. My name's Sean. I'll be hosting uh, today's first show called Farringdon Local, where we'll be focusing on people and places and events in and around the Farringdon area. Hope you uh, managed to stay with us and tune in on a, another occasion if you like what you hear, first of all. Um, our first show, we've got a, a number of uh, things we're going to be talking about. Uh, the big gig held at Farringdon Junior School a few weeks ago in February, where we'll be uh, talking to the bands that played there, Kiff, and uh, the other band there, the Brick, Brickwood Lizards, where we'll be talking to the members from that band as well. We'll also be talking to uh, Jeannie from the Farringdon Twinning Association. Farringdon's Twinning Association is uh, coming to 21 years now, and so we'll be talking to Jeannie a little bit about that and some uh, events that they're organising as, as well. Now, how do you like your Elvis? Do you like him curried? Listen, you'll find out a little bit more about that. But before we move on to that, let's have some local music, where local music will be a main part of uh, Farringdon Radio. And here we have the Decoits with a song from their album. came out last summer, and this song is called Driving in Your Car. Driving in a car, gone away too far again Here we are driving in a car, gone away too far You're at the wheel, holding on to all I feel You're at the wheel again
wish Farringdon Radio all the success for the future. Well, it was a track from the Decoits, a local band based around Farringdon anyway. Two members of them are just outside Farringdon, Pete and and Carrie from the Decoits, and uh, hopefully have them on the show shortly to talk to them, because I believe they're putting together a new album now. Um, And that was a track called Driving In Your Car from their album, released uh, towards the end of summer last year. Now, a couple of weeks ago... uh, Actually, seems more than, well, it was more than a couple of weeks ago. It was actually the 12th of February. I was down at the big gig at Farringdon Junior School, where one of the main musical highlights of the year was taking place, so the big gig, there to raise funds for Farringdon Preschool, the Infant School, and the Junior School. It's been going, oh, well over 10 years now, and I managed to get hold of Maribel, one of the organisers, and Dave from KIF, who was one of the bands playing and also doing sound on the night. So, if you do bear with us with this interview a little bit, it was recorded at the gig itself, and obviously you'll be able to hear some music in the background, but uh, I did manage to capture a few words with one or two people down there, so we now go to the recording with Maribel and Dave. Down here now at the big gig at the Farringdon Junior School, and I'm interviewing one of the organisers of the event, Maribel, who's going to tell me, uh, can you tell me a bit of history about what this event is about and where the funds go to, please? Okay, it was a, um, for 12 years KIF was doing a charity event for the preschool in Farringdon. Um, last year we decided to try and make it more of a community event with the preschool, infants and junior school involved. So the money is split equally between the three schools. We've got KIF playing um, as the headliner and also the Rickwork Lizards and um, we've got uh, Citizen Kane DJing to start with to get people warmed up um, and it's just a way of getting the community back into live music and enjoying a good night out for so many of the parents who don't really get a chance to go out much because they've got small children it's a, a local thing for the local schools that is a bit of fun. And what, what role do you play in organising this event? Um, I just organise the, getting the bands together and um, Making sure the lineup's right and getting the you know the the lighting and stage management and everything set up, um, and then the the HSP you know the the PTA type things of mm-hmm. each of the schools get involved, and they'll organise the bar and the tables and and um, I also did the the advertising this year. Right, thank you. Yeah. That's good. And uh, also with me is Dave from the band Kiff, who've been playing here for, from, since the beginning now. And uh, he's very eager to get back so he can get started and do his thing as this evening's sound man. But can you just explain what your role is here tonight, please, Dave? Well, um, I'm the drummer in Kiff, so I've obviously been involved in this event for over 12 years. I mean, it, it used to be at the Corner Exchange and now moved to the, to the junior school. But tonight I'm... Uh, I'm a drummer in GIF and mixing the sound for the evening. So and the Brickwork Lizards have got quite a complicated setup with uh, banjo, cello, acoustic guitar, trumpets, just about everything. So that's, uh, that's given us some big challenges this year. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, actually, because I sound great. And then, uh, and then Tim, who's our sound guy, is going to mix us after, after the Brickwork Lizards. So last year it was very complicated. We had five bands and it was... It was uh, I almost killed myself in the middle of the, yeah. the whole evening, but uh, it sort of worked out okay. And, That's great. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so hopefully tonight it'll be a lot easier for us. Yeah, well, well a great night. Definitely looking forward to it. Just going back, Mirabella, to the um, the purpose behind it. How much funds do you know that were raised last year? Do you know what actually went on and how they were spent? Um, well, I know that fourteen hundred pounds was raised, and um, for the 
junior school it was put towards a musical um, outdoor centre so the large musical instruments for the kids to play on um, which I think they had some lottery funding as well to, to work towards it um, and for the preschool it was for their um, their outdoor area they put a covered area and fenced the outside um, and did some repainting um, and I don't know for the junior school, to be honest. That's oh terrible. Perhaps we'll have to do some further research <laughs> and come back to you on that. All right, we're well, time to move on. Thank you very much and uh, hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Well, as you can hear, a lot of preparations had gone into making sure that evening was uh, was successful. And uh, I'm sure it was a very lovely evening, wonderful evening, some great music. And also, uh, I should uh, have a word with Hamish Miller, a local music fan and promoter himself who over the years has brought uh, Tyler to the town, and uh, hopefully we'll be bringing him back later again this year. But I managed to have a word with him and uh, capture his views on how that evening uh, went and the bands that played there that night. I'm still down here at the, uh, the big gig in Farringdon, and I'm chatting here to Hamish Miller, and we've just been listening to the Brickwork Lizards. Uh, Hamish, uh, who's been organising a number of events here in Farringdon as well. So, uh, can you tell me, uh, what do you think of the, uh, the event so far, and uh, how do you uh, rate the Brickwork Lizards? Uh, it's a little, been an entertaining evening, as always, uh, probably feeling sorry for the people who've missed it, because it's organised very well by the, by the people. It's a charity gig in, in, in favour of the schools uh, in Farringdon, so everybody who would come along, their children have an opportunity to actually benefit from it for the money given in the HSP. In terms of Brickwork Lizard, they're an eclectic mix, and I know probably Farringdon is uh, overdone on a diet of cover bands, so it isn't music that you would recognise or you would know, but actually it's fun to listen to something different. An eclectic mix is something you can either have a dance to or actually have a, have a chat around, but they're, they're up on stage. Uh, and part of it, I suppose, uh, an understanding for an event like this is they've also given their time for free. Well, the Brickwork Lizards were a, a great hit. They played this time last year, last year's big gig, which is probably the reason why they've been invited back this year. So before I go to an interview with Tom, the singer, and Tariq, the Oud player, Let's listen to one of their songs from their current uh, album, and this is called Wondrous Night.
Hi, this is John from Sandwich Fillers in Farringdon, wishing Farringdon Radio. Wishing Farringdon Radio. Well, I hope you agree. That's a rather unique sound from the Brickwork Lizards. An eclectic mix, as Hamish said earlier. So many instruments up there on stage, I think I lost count after I got to about seven or eight members in the band. And on the evening, I did interview Tom, the singer, and Tariq, who plays the oud. So I'm um, here outside now of the uh, big gig in Found, and I'm chatting to the band that just come off stage, the Brickwork Lizards, who uh, returned after last year's success. And I'm chatting here to Tom and Tariq, Tom the singer, and Tariq, who plays the oud. Well, um, he may uh, correct me on the pronunciation of that in just a moment. So, uh, Tom, can you just uh, tell me a little bit about the, uh, the Brickwork Lizards and um, uh, the origins of the band, really? Certainly. Well, I had an idea for the band many years ago. I've always been a big fan of 1930s, 40s bands like the Ink Spots, the Mills Brothers. I'm also a big fan of rap music. And I had an idea years ago of trying to incorporate two different types of music together. But I hadn't met the right people. And actually, I met Tarek at a party. I was organizing some gigs at the Turf Tavern in Oxford. Oh, yeah. Invited yeah. him to play a gig. I was blown away. Asked him if he was a fan of 1930s, 40s music. Turns out he's a big fan of the Ink Spots. Then got the rest of the band together. Um, there can't be many people interested in that genre of music. No, I haven't met that many. But a few. Uh, well, that's great. That's that's nice to know. And so overall, what what do you sort of how do you describe the band's music? What what was the overall term you would use? Well, describing the band's been the bane of my life, but it's um, basically we write songs that that evoke the romantic era of the 1930s and 40s with a Arabic and rap twist. Sure, yeah. That's where well, I, I think you definitely it. convey that feeling. I really appreciate it. And uh, I bought the CD here last year as well. So, oh, fantastic. Um, I've re really been playing that quite a lot in my CD player at home. Oh. So, uh, Tariq, you play this, you sit right at the front playing this uh, quite uh, interesting instrument. Could you, uh, w what is that instrument again? Uh, the, the, the instrument I play is called the oud, um, which actually translates directly into English as wood. 
uh, piece of wood basically it's called. Uh, the oud is the uh, one of the forefront instruments of Arabic music and Turkish music as well. Um, it was uh, developed uh, fully in the sort of late 9th century uh, AD, um, travelled uh, with an Iraqi scientist called Ziryab, which then developed it in the West. Uh, you know, things like the mandolin, uh, the lute, the, and the guitar even uh, came out of that. So the oud is, if you like, the, the father of completely, in, you know, fully engineered musical instruments. Yeah, instruments. yeah. Well, it definitely goes down very well down here in Farringdon. Um, so I bought your CD here last year. Are there any more recordings available? Have you got yeah. anything else available at the moment? Yes, we, we've, we've uh, finished recording our next album. Um, it'll be called uh, Zaman, which uh, is an Arabic word for a long time ago. Uh, that will have a collection of some of the songs we played tonight and, and, and a re-recording of a couple of songs uh, from previous albums. And it should be out um, April. Sort of April time, uh, mid-April mid hopefully. It's just getting mastered at the moment and sort of final touches. But. Great, well we look forward to hearing from that and um, hope to hear again maybe uh, soon, maybe in Farringdon again. Yes, absolutely, would love, to, would love to. We enjoyed it here last year, that's why we came back and loved it this year again and uh, definitely come back next year. Can Great. Thanks very much for speaking to me. Cheers. No, Take care. Pleasure. Cheers. Hi, this is John from Sandwich Fillers in town, wishing Farringdon FM all the best. Do you think he's going to manage to get that right at some stage? Maybe if we give him another chance a bit later on, uh, maybe third time lucky. Anyway, just prior to that, that was the Brickwork Lizards interviewed them down at the big gig at the Farringdon Junior School. Uh, a great night, a wonderful evening for everybody. And just before that, one of their songs wondrous night now some of you may have uh, hopefully well hopefully many of you will have seen the developments at the top of uh, Stamford road there where the sandpits were many years ago and was previously a tip has been a vacant plot of land for many 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 years now and is uh, eventually uh, slowly developing into the cricket ground when Bloor homes uh, take over the current cricket ground uh, in about May. So I must uh, have a word with Stuart McDowell, who's the chairman of Founding Cricket Club, and he's been to tell us uh, what's going on up there and uh, their new wonderful, uh, very wonderful pavilion that they're managing to have developed for them. Here now, uh, chatting with Stuart McDowell, who's the chairman of Founding Cricket Club, which has been going for uh, 160 years, and uh, quite historically, later this year, in about May time, They'll be moving up to their new location on, um, where is it again? Stamford Road. Stamford Road, which is the wonderful new pavilion you may have uh, been seen being developed up there. So, Stuart, can you tell us uh, a bit, a bit uh, about the move and uh, when it is actually happening? Right, we, we're getting our new ground because uh, Bloor Homes are going to build on the old ground and have to provide a ground of better quality than our old one. And to be fair to Bloor Homes, they are certainly doing that. We're getting a ground that is just below minor county standard and with a fabulous pavilion. And how long has this uh, development and these plans been in the background and been undertaken over, I guess, a number of years this has been talked about, has it? It's been talked about now for about eight years. Um, it's been on the table, uh, negotiating with Bloors for about six years. Um, and now it's we hope to move up there and start playing either the beginning of May or the beginning of June, depending on the weather. And the, the, the facilities themselves, could you just describe those to me? I mean, uh, looking at it, uh, and it's a glance state, it looks pretty wonderful um, uh, compared to your, I don't know what, uh, 
extended huts down there. I don't know what's the right term, your current one. It sounds wonderful. It looks wonderful compared to the current facilities. Could you just talk us through that a little bit? The current facilities are absolutely dire and have been condemned by the council. So our <laughs> new facilities are a great boost to us. Um, it's going to, we will have a, a room that will probably seat about 60 people with a bar. Um, we will also have a kitchen and tea room. Um, and then changing rooms, which we're going to share with the rugby club, because the rugby pitch is going up there as well. Um, and because we share in the rugby club, Bloors have increased the size of the changing rooms so that you can get probably 20 players in each changing room to change and shower, because the rugby people are a bit muddier than us. <laughs> yes, it's a bit more involved on rugby, isn't it? Yeah, especially if it's been raining as well. Um, and parking facilities, uh, is that going to be part of the, the arrangements as well? Yeah, access will be off the Stamford Road down by the roundabout on the A420. Um, we are having a purpose-made tarmac car park there, which is a, a great boom for us. So it'll be a year-round facility for the rugby club ourselves and ourselves. Um, the car park, I think from memory, is about 20 spaces. So we are really, really very lucky indeed. And what are the implications for the development or the growth of the club with this? You say it's now to, or to almost up to or just below county standard. Does this have any implications for the team moving on and, and growing and becoming something um, bigger in some respects? Well, we we've, haven't we've had youth set up uh, till now, and we are now putting in place a club mark, which uh, qualifies the club to uh, put in a youth section. Um, we hope to have club mark in place by probably the start of the season maybe a few things just to iron out on that. So club mark, what, what does that it's mean? It's a government accreditation that all everybody's, uh, what was the word I'm looking for, been th through um, the child protection oh, sort sure. of thing. Oh, sure, yes, okay. And, and our... So it's um, certain standards. Your certain standards yes. are met. Yeah. You, you meet the standards, certain coaching standards, um, welfare standards, this sort of thing, yeah. And then once we've got the club mark, that we will then have the junior teams and that will um, hopefully filter through to our senior teams because um, the second team are a mixture of young lads and aged people like myself. <laughs> and the first team are nearly all Farringdon lads in their 20s and 30s, maybe one or two slightly older, uh, mature heads. But they are a very, very good team indeed. And we would hope they will be hoping for promotion to Division 1 of the Oxfordshire Cricket Association this year. Oh, that sounds great. That's well, that sounds uh, wonderful news. So, any sadness with leaving your own club behind? Is it all a case of, thanks very much, we're, we're going now, this is all good news, and we're all looking forward to the future? Most definitely. <laughs> Nobody will miss the old clubhouse. That's a, The old ground, there may be a few tears, but it's pure clay up there. There's no tops, tops on. And Herbie Townsend, our groundsman, for years has produced pit, very good pitches up there mm. with no help from the uh, soil at all. And you say you're, it's going to be a joint venture, or the, the overall thing, with the, uh, with the rugby club. Has that been part of the arrangement from the word go, or is that something that's developed along the way? No, it has been an arrangement from, from the word go. The rugby pitch has always been on the plans since the cricket ground was moved up there. The, rug, we, the cricket ground have moved up as a right, and the rugby club have got their funding and ground through the Section 106 agreement which is in place with laws to provide local amenities. I also understand that uh, part of the arrangements um, uh, maybe make one or two people happy in Farringdon, one or two people uh, question what's going on, 
But uh, part of the arrangements up there is that the uh, the new skate park is going to be part of the overall development. It, it, is, is that correct? Have I heard correctly? And what, what's your view on this? Um, you have heard correctly. Um, when the planning permission was put in for the Blore Homes development, they somebody, unbeknown to the cricket club, uh, sneaked in uh, a skateboard park in the corner, and that has been planning permission for the skateboard park has been passed. Um, as a cricket club, we're not happy about the skateboard park being positioned there, although we've got no objection to skateboard parks because we feel cricket and skateboarding do not go together. The nearest toilets for the skateboard park are the town centre, which is a mile away. Um, it's right on the side of a major trunk road with parking, so young children are vulnerable with no supervision for uh, skating whatsoever. If there was an accident... It's too far from town to mm. raise... Um, so the people using the skateboard won't be allowed to use your facilities? That's not part... Apart no. from just the fact their park is in the overall grounds? Yeah. Our facilities will only be open when there's adults there to supervise it. Um, okay. It's completely separate from the rugby and the cricket club. Had anybody considered maybe moving the tennis club up there at all? That seems to more fit in with the overall uh, location and, uh, dare I say, ambience of the place than... a. Uh, a skate park, uh, although maybe I should get someone from who's interested in skate parking to comment if we can manage to track somebody down. Uh, SK8 are the people you need. Um, we would love to have the tennis club up there. It would make sense to have all the eyeball sports together. The coaches could have communal meetings and courses, and it's like-minded people. And we also would like the tennis club up there because they're playing um, eight hours a day, seven days a week, so there would always be some sort of supervision up there. Great. Well, uh, thanks very much for those uh, comments, Stuart, and uh, all the best for the future, and uh, look forward to uh, the cricket club going forward, upward and up onwards. So do we. We hope we'll get, have a successful season and some promotion and get Farringdon right back on the map. Well, some uh, strong views there from Stuart from Farringdon Cricket Club about the developments up there. Obviously, uh, mixed feelings, I think, uh, very positive about their new development and the move up to Stamford Road along with the uh, rugby club. Um, uh, not too happy with the people from Skate joining them up there. Um, unfortunately, as I uh, produced this programme today on Sunday, I haven't had the chance to get in touch with anybody from Skate. But if they do want to get in touch with me, I'd more than happily do an interview with them, have them be able to put forward uh, their point of view and their ideas and uh, what their uh, position is on this, and I could record it for the next programme. Um, but uh, either way, it still looks very good, and uh, looks very good from a distance. As you see, uh, another good view of Farringdon uh, shows that Farringdon is still being developed and there's still growth in the town. And definite growth in the town, having chatting to the people down at Bloor Homes, who seem to be selling their homes uh, thick and fast at the moment and uh, looking forward to moving into the current ground of uh, Farringdon Cricket Club where we'll be building new houses starting in May. Hi, my name's Holly from Thanks a Bunch, just wishing Farringdon Radio all the success. Anyway, how do you like your Elvis? Curried? Strange term to be using perhaps. But over a number of years, you've uh, maybe come uh, noticed that uh, there are a number of Elvis Presley impersonators playing in uh, Indian restaurants. And uh, we have got one of the top Elvis Presley impersonators coming to Farringdon shortly on the 23rd of March. We've got Miguel Alvarez Alvarez, if I've pronounced it correctly. I did uh, have three or four times uh, 
attempts to try and uh, pronounce that correctly. But we've got him on the phone. I spoke to him. He'll be coming up to the Snooty Amendment in a, a week or so's time. And uh, here's a quick interview now with uh, Miguel. This is uh, foundandradio.com uh, and I'm uh, now managing uh, to track down Miguel Olivas Alvarez, which I'm sure he's going to correct me in a moment, is the correct pronunciation of his name, who will be coming shortly to the Snooty uh, Memon, uh, founding local Indian restaurant, where uh, Miguel will be performing his award-winning Elvis presentation show. Um, could you tell me a bit, a bit um, about your show when you're coming up in a couple of weeks' time? It's a two-part Elvis show. I call it the Elvis Experience. Uh, basically, it's the early Elvis, which is the, I think he wore for the 68 comeback, which is kind of a black leather affair. And I like to sing the early Elvis, a lot of the rock and roll songs. And the second part of the show is what I call, what they call the concert years. It's kind of the white jumpsuit, what people who are not really familiar with Elvis uh, understand as Elvis. Sure. So the, the the Las Vegas years is what I sort of Las think Vegas of it as really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you say you're going to do two. You got two shows. You're doing the some of the early stuff. Does that mean you've uh, you probably invest in the costumes? And I take it. I've invested a fortune in costumes over the years. I've got several now: four white ones, black one, red one, jumpsuits, uh, three leather costumes, and um, some very very early stuff with the he wore the gold llama. I don't wear that too often now, uh, but the leather costumes I've had to have three over the years because they just get they just get worn out and they're not really that easy to clean. I'm sure. Do you do, do you have someone makes them specially for you or is your? Yeah, they made they were made by the people who actually made them for Elvis in Clarksville, Illinois, a company called B and K, ah. and they're seen as probably if arguably the best, shall we say? Sure. Well, that's uh... suit is uh, from start to finish, <clears throat> depending on which one you buy. But the suits I buy, the particular ones called the lion suit, and uh, that's fifteen hundred pounds from start to finish. That is definitely quite an investment. I can, uh, I can, I can see that already. Your work with Elvis, or you're doing your Elvis work. That's obviously not uh, everything you can do. Just uh, looking at your website, you've got quite a, uh, a a good musical background history there. So why, yeah, why, why going to the? Well, the truth is, I suppose um, I just enjoy a challenge. You know, and I've worked in this industry my entire life. So, mm-hmm. but Elvis is just a lot of fun for me, and it started by accident eight years ago when I was in an Indian restaurant seen in Indian Elvis who was actually not very good to be honest anyway he would at the end of the songs some of the particular notes he wasn't able to reach so he would give his microphone to various people in the audience to sing and you know anyway mm. he came to my table and it was a wonder of you I stood up and sang this big note at the end I got a standing innovation at the oh, wow. Indian restaurant over camera and he said um, uh, are you an Elvis impersonator? I said, no, no, I'm not. I, I was there with the soul band. I was working with quite regularly. And they were all drunk by this time. And they said, yeah, he's an Elvis impersonator. I said, no, I, I don't know Elvis. <laughs> and he said, well, I would like to book him. And they're, they're, cause they said, well, you can book him. We're his agent. So they booked a gig six months later. I ended up doing it for fun because it's like a challenge. And, uh, and the rest is history. Oh. See, one thing that um, I have noticed, there seems to be quite a few Elvis uh, impersonators and shows they seem to take place in Indian restaurants. What what is the connection with that? I mean, is um, was the king a great curry fan or something? Or fair enough, he wasn't, and they weren't really around when he was alive. But I reckon if he had lived long enough, I'm sure he'd be a fan, like most British people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I think it's because um, it started off early in the week. Indian restaurants like to kind of liven up their takings. So they, they kind of embarked on this idea of doing shows. So most Indians don't really have a huge knowledge of, of pop artists and anything, but because Elvis is probably the most famous icon on the planet, one way or another, mm-hmm. I think they chose that as the one that most people uh, relate to. And even now, it actually never ceases to amaze me, um, the amount of people who are, you talk to them and they say, oh yeah, I love Elvis. And um, I just find it amazing that, you know, there's no, you know, there's no publicity about Elvis, but, but there's still a, an underground, very, very, very established network of Elvis-related fans. And, and Elvis impersonators. I heard a figure recently that uh, the rate of development of Elvis impersonators, most of the planet being Elvis impersonated by 12, 2050 or something ridiculous. That is true, but the only difference with that is it's a bit like drums. I was a professional drummer and studied for six years rudiments and practice, four hours a day, and uh, to get to a point where I could be a professional. But anyone, most people think they can sit on a drum kit and play. But that, that, that really doesn't make you a professional. Sure, yeah. But being able to sing is actually the beginning, mm-hmm. the end. It's the beginning of your own. Then you have to learn how to entertain, understand dynamics, be able to work consecutive nights, not lose your voice, be professional, professional equipment, uh, be able to uh, make sure the hunter, client is happy. Sure. Uh, if he wants these songs, if he wants that songs, whatever, and then deliver them with the required gusto, energy, and ability, and that's where, really, there's a huge void. And does your, when you come and do, for example, uh, this show, maybe it's different in different shows, were you coming with musicians, or have you got uh, backing tracks you're playing with? It's just a backing track affair, because they, they don't really have the budgets for that sort sure. of Sure, yeah. It's usually a backing track affair, which is a relatively new concept. And when I say new concept, if you go back to, say, 1990, you know, before then, it w- wouldn't have been possible for someone to work alone. Sure, yes. Backing tracks, because tapes used to stretch, they never stayed in key, and so ne- but now everything and anything is possible. Absolutely, um, yes, I understand. And, um, and it's good, because the quality is good, the sound quality is good, the sound systems have come down in size, so there's much more of a possibility to organise, you know, what will feel like a real Las Vegas experience in a very small environment. So, what, uh, could you just remind us, what uh, day are you coming to Farringdon? Can you remember the dates? Uh, no, I can't. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I'll, I'll look it up and I'll make sure it goes out. I think it's the 23rd off the top of my head, but uh, before this goes out. Uh, I've not checked, but um, I, I do quite a lot of them. Sure. So, um that's great. Well, we uh, found and we look forward to you to, to seeing you. Which, again, I'll check, but I think it's on the 23rd. And, uh, and uh, thanks so much for chatting to us, and, and good luck for the future. Really appreciate okay. that. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Good night. Thank you. Cheers. Hi there, it's John from Sandwich Fillers in Farringdon, wishing Farringdon FM radio. Let <laughs> Well, I'd like to be able to say third time lucky, but uh, not quite there. But uh, thanks very much uh, for the support and attempts there, John, to get us off the ground and help promote us. And uh, maybe you could spread the word for us, even if they're not the, r- the right words. If you're interested in Friends and what's going on over there and our association with Friends, then uh, our next little article may be of interest for you. 
uh, we have Jeannie from the Farringdon Twinning Association who's going to tell us a little bit about what's been going on in the twinning world and uh, things that are developing and how you, uh, if you are interested and want to get in touch with their association with uh, Lamal, uh, then Jeannie will be able to tell us a bit more about that. Jeannie, could you just tell us a little bit about the Twinning Association, please? The Twinning, twinning Association, um, I've been involved with for the last 20 years. Um, it'll be 21 years this year. Um, we have various um, anniversaries that we have quite big events. Um, we do, during the year, try and raise some funds, um, as in the quiz night the other night. There was a... Um, we had a meal down the Saffron, and some of the money was donated to help the youth uh, visit. That happens every year. Um, a group of um, parents and children go over to Lamau, and then uh, they come back to us. Um, we have a French breakfast um, when the Farringdon um, the French market is on. If you were to, to summarise what the Twinning Association does, what, what's it there to achieve or what has it achieved? Uh, it's the links with Farringdon and La Melsa South in Normandy. We have made a lot of friends. As I say, I've been involved for the last 20 years. Um, and you could actually walk down the street of La Melle and see, you could, you'd find somebody that, that you knew. Oh, right. Okay. And if somebody wanted to get involved in the association, someone who's interested in, you know, uh, in, in France and in La Melle, uh, how would they uh, get in touch with you and become part of the association? Um, well, you could have my telephone number or Dave Tutt, our vice chairman. Um, we do put various um, events on the Farringdon.org now, so I think you'll find if you look on there, it'll give you some numbers for the twinning. Really. Okay. And what's the next uh, event or next uh, thing next coming up? Next event for us, um, I mean, at the moment, there are a group of um, people from La Malle coming over for the royal wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will be going over there. We've got a trip going over on the 2nd of June until the 5th. Um, again, if anybody wants to go, they are welcome to. We, we get a coach to Portsmouth, across the ferry to Con, and um, on the Friday we usually visit somewhere. And then, um, well, we have a really good weekend. You can guarantee that every time because they are such friendly people. Great. Well, thanks very much for uh, those few words there, Jeannie. And um, if anybody wants to find out, they can look it up on the uh, find.org site, uh, contact details there, and where Jeannie's phone number will be available as well. Yep. And um, thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks very much, Sean. Okay, thank you. My name is Carolyn Murphy. I'm the Partnership Development Manager based at King Alfred's Sports College in Wantage, and I work with all of the Vale schools, primary, secondary and special schools in and around the Vale. And uh, we try to promote physical education in school sport and also club links. So that's our role, and we wish Finding Radio all the best. Just before we move on to our uh, last track for the uh, for our first show, just going to do a roundup of uh, a few things that are coming up uh, locally, musical events, etc. Although, first of all, I have to say, unfortunately, the Crown Hotel won't be doing any more music now. Uh, the Chapman Group, the owners of the hotel. Uh, so it's nothing to do with the licensees, the current managers at the moment. 
have decided they don't want to be pursuing live music at their venue. They want to be concentrating on the hotel aspect of the work there. So unfortunately a few gigs were cancelled, including the Decoits, which I was uh, personally very disappointed with, and a few others have had to uh, be cancelled as well. But there's still a few musical events going on locally. On Thursday the 17th, it's uh, St. Patrick's Day, and the Portwell Angel will be holding St. Patrick's Day there, so I'm sure the Guinness will be flowing and be entertained by Mark Childers with Neil and Laura. Also on the 17th will be the Town Mayor's Annual Charity Event, which will be held up at Sudbury House Hotel, where the main after-dinner speaker will be Impressionist, and local resident, Rory Bremner. On the 18th, Kiff will be doing an unplugged, unplugged gig, unplugged, what's the plug? Unplugged gig at the Portwell Angel. And on the 19th, there's the King and, Qu King and Queen in Longcott, there's a 70s night. And as mentioned earlier on, on the 23rd, Wednesday the 23rd, will be the Elvis Experience at the Snooty Memon. Well, that's a roundup of uh, some local events coming up in the next two weeks. If there's anything you would like to tell us, an event you would like us to promote, then uh, we'd very much like to be able to do that for you. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed our first show on Farringdon Radio, not Farringdon FM. Well, wish it was FM, but we're not. Just FarringdonRadio.com. And um, we'd look forward to hearing from you. And any ideas, any suggestions you've got, that'd be wonderful. But now we move to our last track, which is uh, from the alter ego of Neil Dwerryhouse, The Man with the Stereo Hands, and it's a track from his uh, compilation album, came out in 2007, an album called 8D in Stereo. So this is The Man with the Stereo Hands with an instrumental called Samantha Jane. 